The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning, and thank you, Kent, for that reading. And Ruth, um, if you have your Bible with you, you can open it to 1 Samuel. We're going to be starting a a series this morning that's going to last for... Uh, quite a while, we're going to be looking at the, the books of, of Samuel, First and Second Samuel. And uh, you'll see in just a minute why we had that reading for Ruth. Um, Samuel and, and Ruth uh, kind of begin at the, the same time period. Also, one other announcement. In, in your bulletin, there's a typo. It says Trunk or Treat is going to be October 29th, but that's actually October 28th. It's going to be on that Saturday, October 28th. And I, I just want to encourage you to uh, be thinking about that. Um, we, we need people to come here, and if you can, decorate your vehicle, your truck, or your car, and hand out candy to kids. Um, if you can think of maybe a little game that kids can play, that would be great. If you don't want to decorate your vehicle, then just come and hand out candy. That, that would be a big help as well. The last few years, we've had great turnout from the community. We've had lots of people from the community here at our building, in our parking lot, and we need members here to, uh, to greet them, to get to know our neighbors. That's just a good thing to do. So hopefully you'll think about that and come out and help us with our trunk or treat. Well, the, the books of Samuel, First and Second Samuel, they give us the story of David, which is one of the most well-known figures that there is in the Old Testament. Uh, he's called a man after God's own heart. And he sets the standard for what a king should be in Israel. Now, after Israel is taken into captivity and their world somewhat falls apart, they long for a king like David. He becomes a legend, and all other kings who come after him will be compared to him. And this story that is so central to the life of Israel, again, is found in Samuel. But what's amazing is that the book does not open with the birth of David. It does not open with David being anointed king. Instead, it opens with the story of a humble woman from a small town. And so as we begin this morning, I want us to hear her story, which is found in 1 Samuel, and we'll just begin in verse 1. There was a certain man of Ramathame Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord. And on the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. 
Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. <coughs> As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. And Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. You know, before we begin to look at the life of Hannah, we should remember where this book of Samuel is located in the canon of Scripture. And we must recall that the Bible is one big story. And so Samuel picks up where Judges leaves off. And this is a dark time in the life of Israel. The last word in the book of Judges is this, Judges 21-25. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And so Hannah is a story about a woman who is barren. But Israel, if we pay attention, is spiritually barren. And the period of the judges was not a good time for them. They were stuck in this sort of downward spiral of turning away from God and then being overtaken by foreign oppressors. They were spiritually bankrupt. And the book of Judges does not have a happy ending. It ends on a down note. And the future does not look bright for Israel. The first book that comes after the book of Judges is Ruth. And the second is Samuel. And Ruth and Hannah are contemporaries. They lived around the same time. These women, uh, both of them would have been looked down upon for different reasons. Uh, Ruth was a foreigner and Hannah was barren. These are not the heroes that Israel 
was looking for. But in these desperate times, these are the heroes that Israel gets. God uses people that are overlooked, people who are ignored. He uses the weak and the downtrodden. He chooses the people who would have been chosen last or maybe not even picked at all. Ruth would have been looked down upon because she was not born in the right place. She didn't have the right birth certificate. And therefore, she was not one of God's chosen people. Hannah would have been viewed as being cursed because she was unable to bear children. And yet, these are the two people that God chooses to use in order to revive Israel. You know, as human beings, we like to divide ourselves into different groups. We like to say who is in and who is out. And we always find something to distinguish ourselves from others, and that's where we end up drawing the line. Throughout Scripture, though, God pushes back against this idea. Uh, we really see it with Jesus, who tells the story of the Good Samaritan, who eats with tax collectors and sinners. But we also see it in the Old Testament. We see it at the end of Judges, where God chooses Ruth, and then he chooses Hannah. He doesn't choose a military leader or a political leader. He doesn't even choose a man. He chooses a foreign woman and a woman who is unable to have children. These are people that, that Israel would have rejected, but they are not rejected by God. They are chosen, and they are given a special place in the story of God. Now, Elkanah has two wives— one is Hannah and the other is Peninnah. And there is a rivalry between these two women. In fact, that's what the text says. They were rivals. The, the main source of the rivalry is children. Verse 2 states, Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. How often are friendships disrupted because one person has something the other one doesn't? You know, that happens all the time. And it usually occurs because one person is jealous of what the other has. But in this case, Peninnah has more. She has children. Hannah does not. And the problem is that she isn't willing to leave it alone. She wants to keep bringing it up. She wants to sort of rub it in Hannah's face. She continues to remind her of her misfortune. Not only that, she does this when they go to worship. It is when they go to Shiloh to, to make their sacrifices that Peninnah really lets Hannah have it. And in the midst of worship, there is strife and division. This is what was going on in Corinth when Paul said, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. It's sad, but division and strife can creep into the worship of God. And when that happens, we are really not worshiping. Because in order to worship, we must direct our attention towards God. But we cannot do that if we have something against our neighbor. Now, as this turmoil is playing out, 
we learn that Elkanah has a deep affection, a deep love for Hannah. He gives her a double portion. Uh, Hannah, though, she is distraught, and she refuses to eat because of her situation. And this is when Elkanah comes to her, and he says to her, Why do you weep, and why do you not eat, and why is your heart sad? Am I not more than ten sons? You know, Elkanah desperately wants to comfort his wife. He wants to make her happy, and yet he cannot give her what she really wants. He cannot give her a child. Now, I'm sure that this bothered Elkanah, you know, because men like to fix things. We like to solve the problem, find a solution, but sometimes there's not a solution. Uh, In Romans 12 and verse 15, Paul tells us to weep with those who weep. And sometimes that's all we can do. Sometimes there is nothing that we can do to fix the pain. This is why the Bible has a lot to say about lament. Now, our culture is not very good at lament. You know, we, we want to be happy all the time. We want happy music, happy movies, and happy stories. And if we lack happiness, then we can go to the doctor and he can prescribe some pills to make us happy. Uh, We're obsessed with happiness. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with being happy. One of the characteristics of, of Christianity is to be filled with joy. At the same time, there was a period in America where we sang songs of lament. Some of the old time spirituals were laments. Americans then invented a genre of music known as the blues. And the blues was about feeling blue, you know. And guess what? Sometimes singing the blues made a person feel better. Why? Because we need lament. Our soul needs to sing about what troubles it. And God knew this before there was ever such a thing as psychology. And it was nice that Elkanah came and he gave Hannah a double portion. But her grief was not going to be relieved with a gift. She needed someone to weep with her. Hannah next does the only thing that she knows to do. She prays. And remember, this is at the end of the period of the judges. Israel is spiritually bankrupt. Eli, the priest here, he cannot tell the difference between a drunk person and someone offering a prayer. His sons, as we will learn later on, uh, they're worse than he is. And in the middle of this dark period, Hannah stands as a glimmer of faithfulness. She is distraught, she is wounded. But she does what is right, and she becomes the hope that Israel desperately needs. And this act of faithfulness is rewarded by God. He hears her prayer, and and he gives her what she has longed for, for for maybe years and years. He gives her a child who she names Samuel. And we know that, that... God's view of time is not like our own. 
But sometimes it's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around this. And here's a good example, I think, of what this sometimes looks like. You know, Israel is in a bad place, and they need things to change. And we as human beings, we want change to happen quickly. We want change to happen immediately. If, if it's not happening fast enough, then we do something. We change plans. We try something new. We replace one employee with another. And we see this all the time. We especially see it in sports. You know, it's rare for a coach to stay at one place for, for 10 years or, or 15 years. Why? Because if a team isn't winning enough games, then the fans demand a change. And it usually happens. God knows where Israel is at. He knows they need help, and it's a time for change. So what does God do? Well, he gives Hannah a child. So are you ready for change, Israel? Well, yes, yes we are. Well, why don't you wait 30 years until Samuel is grown and Samuel is ready to leave? And we see clearly here how God's timetable is not the same as our own. One of the characteristics of God is that he is long-suffering. Um, that, that's sort of an old word. The, the modern word is patient. Uh, this is a characteristic that, that we need to develop as well. Patience is a, is a good all-around virtue. But it's also something that we need to have as we wait on God. Because God is, is again, not on the same timetable as we are, and he's probably not going to act as quickly as we would like him to act. If God hasn't done what you've asked him to do, then you might just need to wait. It could be that he has set a plan in motion, but it might take years for it to come to fruition. And this was the case with, with Samuel and Hannah. The story of Hannah reminds us that God is near the brokenhearted. No one flies underneath God's radar. He is very much aware of those who might be overlooked by others. He pays attention to the people who others fail to pay attention to. And if you think that no one cares about your situation, you can rest assured that God cares. He knows what it is that you're going through. And he hears your calls for help when you faithfully turn to him in prayer. Now, I think this story should be a reminder to all of us that we need to be like God. We need to notice the people who typically go unnoticed. In fact, Jesus tells a famous story about this very thing in Matthew 25. He talks about on the day of judgment that there's going to be two groups of people. And one group will be made up of people who who noticed others. Uh, they, they fed the hungry, they clothed the naked, they visited the prisoners, they cared for the homeless, and, and so on and so on. And God will look at that group and he'll say, well done. But there will be another group, and this group will be made up of individuals who failed to notice the people around them. In fact, when they're told about the poor and the homeless and, and the prisoners who are right there with them, They'll say, when did this happen? They won't know because they never noticed. They failed to pay attention. 
And part of being a Christian is simply training ourselves to be aware of the people around us. We are to notice the sick, the poor, the people who are hurting, the people in grief, and anyone who is in need. We are to notice them because we have been called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we are to do the work of God while we are here, knowing that our faithfulness will not be overlooked. What this world desperately needs right now is a bunch of Hannahs who are willing to turn to God even though it looks so dark. We need to keep on praying even if our culture seems to be barren and it looks as if there's little or no hope. This was Hannah's world. She was a woman in Israel who could not have a child. It didn't get much worse than that. And yet she never gives up. She prays to God. And he hears her and he answers her. He will hear our requests as well if we'll just take the time to tell him what is on our heart. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning And we're thankful for your faithful servant, Hannah. We're thankful for the encouragement that we gain from her story. Um, We're reminded that even in dark times, you are still working in the world. And you are still in charge of everything. We're reminded that in these times, the most important thing that we could do is stay the course and remain faithful. Be with us, Father, as we strive to be a light in our community, as we try to pay attention to the people and the needs around us. May we not overlook anyone who is in need. May we be there to help. And may we always do this in the name of Christ. We pray that in his name. Amen.